Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Hallelujah. 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 At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Remember that song? Amen. How many of you are thankful for the cross? Hallelujah. God, we wouldn't be here today if it weren't for you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your presence today. Thank you for your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It was opening day in Major League Baseball 1954. The Milwaukee Braves and the Cincinnati Reds played each other. Each team had a rookie making his major debut in that game. And the rookie for the Reds hit four doubles and helped his team win by a score of nine to eight. His name was Jim Greengrass. You probably never heard of him, but what a fitting name for a baseball player, Greengrass. The rookie for the Braves went hitless. He was zero for five, and his name was Hank Aaron. He went on to become the, one of the most prolific home run hitters of all time. The difference was adversity in what, what Hank Aaron decided to do with discouragement. What do you do with discouragement? What do you fear most in your relationship with God today? What enemy out there do you think could take you out? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it another form of addiction or temptation that is out there in the world today? Here's the bottom line, and I'm going to just get right to it. Our greatest enemy is not the world. It's not the devil. It's not our flesh. Our greatest enemy is discouragement. So what do you do with discouragement? Look at your neighbor and ask him, what do you do with discouragement? See, the pool of the world has slain its thousands, but discouragement has slain its ten thousands. Wicked attacks of the devil have slain thousands, but discouragement, it's ten thousands. Weakness of the flesh has taken out thousands, but discouragement has taken out tens of thousands. Because discouragement is always one prayerless day away. Discouragement is one critical word away. Discouragement is one ungrateful attitude away. Discouragement is one personal failure away. Amen. Let's read a few scriptures today. That way you know that I'm still in the book. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 8 and 9. Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 6, they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? 
Exodus chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. And if you want, you, you can stand for the reading of the word today. We honor the word of God. It reads like this, And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him. Now, in the King James, it says, because of their anguish of spirit. In the NIV, it says, because of their discouragement and harsh labor. And then we, we know this is when they are uh, in the land of Egypt. They are working hard. They are being basically uh, run over by the taskmasters of Pharaoh. And they could not get their mind around what God wanted to do because of discouragement. Amen. So many people in our world today, they live with such discouragement. We wonder why it's hard for some people to, to make it to church. Why it's hard for some people to read their Bibles and talk to God. They live in such discouragement. Amen. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 It reads, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed or discouraged. We've already talked about fear. Don't be afraid. But we also need to say, don't be discouraged. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Amen. The reason you shouldn't be discouraged is because God is with you. Amen. God is on your side. God is fighting for you. He's doing amazing things. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you for your word today. I pray, God, that you would speak to us in the next few moments, God, that you would encourage and uplift us and help us, God, to be on a right train of thought, Lord, that as we leave this place, our minds would be quickened, God, to your word. And God, we will give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. It's good to see the other bonds with us today. Amen. They slipped in. We had bonds, and now we have more bonds. <laughs> Just keep growing. It's awesome. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses' final appeal to the children of Israel uh, that he had led for the past 40 years. And when you read through the book of Deuteronomy, at the very beginning of his opening statement in chapter 1, And then again, as he drew his comments to a close in chapter 31, Moses warns the people not to become discouraged in their pursuit of Canaan land. The message for us is that from the very beginning of our walk with God until the very last day of our walk with God, discouragement will always be lurking around us. It will be stalking us. It will be looking for ways to convince us to give up, to quit, to throw in the towel, to walk away, and to never walk with God again. And Paul warned believers in Galatians 6, 9 in the New King James, and let us not be weary and while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Paul's explicit message to us is don't become tired Don't wear down. Don't be discouraged in doing good. The implicit message to us is, as hard as you try not to be discouraged, the truth is, even with all of your doing good, you might be discouraged. 
You may be weary of doing the right thing. Anybody ever felt like you were weary of doing the right thing? You just took a deep breath and you said, oh, I don't know how much more I can do. I don't know how much further I can go. Is it possible for any one of us to become discouraged? Yes, it is. Even you, Pastor, do you get discouraged? Oh, yes. Yes, I'm not going to lie to you today. I'm going to be very honest and transparent. There are days when I feel like I don't know if I can go on. Nobody is exempt from discouragement. Nobody is beyond being discouraged. Discouragement has defeated people stronger than you and I, smarter than you and I, wiser than you and I, and better than you and I. Can I just be honest with you? You've got to know what to do with discouragement. You, you've got to, come on somebody, you've got to force yourself into action. Have you ever wondered, I've, I've often wondered, have you ever wondered what good thing has not happened in the world yet because somebody got discouraged? Maybe what was about to happen but never did because somebody became discouraged? You know, I've, I've thought about it. Like what thing hasn't been invented or what thing hasn't been, you know, we're coming up with new things every day. But, you know, we've got all these things, cures for these different diseases. What, what, what are some of these things that have not happened yet? Because somebody just said, oh, I can't take it anymore. Now, you might think that way in, in a sense of accomplishment in this world. But I sometimes wonder what has not happened yet in the kingdom of God. Sometimes I think about what, what should have happened but didn't happen because somebody got discouraged. Because somebody became discouraged. Somebody's uh, life got turned upside down and they said, I might as well go back instead of forward. And because they went back instead of forward, somebody else in the church got discouraged. And because those people got discouraged, then finally the pastor and the leadership got discouraged. And, and they folded up the church because they said, hey, it's just not worth it anymore. I wonder if there's anybody here today, amen, that you've had the temptation, amen, to be discouraged about some stuff in your life before. Amen. How many cures for diseases haven't been discovered? How many things in life, battles haven't been won? History records so many battles, amen, that were lost. Those battles many times were lost, not due to a lack of men, but a lack of encouragement. I wonder what great song has never been finished and what new uh, song has never been sung and written because and, and recorded because of discouragement. I've got a friend in... in I, I'm encouraging her. Uh, I'm, I'm telling her, you need to do an album. <laughs> you, you need to produce some music. Why? Because your music is anointed. Your music is powerful. God has given you a gift. Amen. And I'm trying to encourage. Why? Because she lives in a world where everything is so crazy. Amen. And she lives with so much discouragement. She has two young children and she's got a lot going on. But can I tell you what, what journey today hasn't been taken because of discouragement? What life hasn't been lived yet because of discouragement? How many broken-hearted husbands and wives gave up on their marriages because of discouragement? How many promising businessmen and entrepreneurs gave up on their careers and their dreams because of discouragement? And how many great preachers and missionaries were called 
They never went or they never finished because of discouragement. How many great disciple makers in the church were never developed because somebody got discouraged? How many great church builders never fulfilled their destiny because of discouragement? And how many saints of God became ain'ts of God because of discouragement? How many precious souls were never won to the Lord? Lives never changed all because somebody got discouraged. I'm here to tell you today that when it comes to serving God, when it comes to living for God, pleasing God, and doing the will of God, discouragement is your greatest enemy. It's what will keep you from coming back next Sunday. It's what will make you want to give up. We all know somebody who's been defeated by the enemy called discouragement. You just look around. you You don't have to think very hard. We live in a tough world. We live in a a world that can be cruel and evil. It can be hateful and violent. This world can knock you down and and it can kick you after you fall. God knows there's not enough encouragement in this world. Before good news can get its boots on, bad news travels around the world twice. God knows that when the people that come into the house of God on Sunday. They've endured a week of battles and struggles. When people come to the house of God and they're in the church house, they don't need to be put down anymore. They've already been put down enough. When people gather together in the house of God, they need to leave better than the way they came in. They need to be built up. They need to be lifted up. They need to be strengthened and encouraged. Amen. That's our job. That's not just the pastor's job. That's our job. It's our job to lift people up. It's our job to encourage them. Amen. To give them the strength that they're going to need. Man, and I've decided if I can do anything with my life, if I can be known for anything, if I could gain a reputation for anything that I could possibly think of, I figured out what I want my legacy to be. I want to be known as an encourager. I want people to say, man, that guy pushed other people to be the best they could be. I want people to remember me not as somebody who was always putting other people down, but I want to be somebody that's known as always building other people up. I want to invest my life and my time and my experience and everything that I've got, I want to invest that into the experience of life that God has for others. Why? Because they need it. Amen? I was at the dentist's office with my kids on Friday, and their dentist stopped, literally stopped, when the Lauren Daigle song, You Say, came on. She just stopped. And she looked up and she was like, oh, this song. She talked about how much it meant to her and, and how much it had helped her. Listen to, listen to some of the words. This is, this is what we're talking about. It's, it starts out, and I'm not going to try to do a Lauren Daigle impersonation. We'll leave that for somebody else. But she says, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. 
You say I am hell when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe what you say of me. Amen. I could go on. There's, it's, it's a powerful song, powerful words. Uh, you know, the only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. What a powerful message in that song. Amen. And I know, I know that the reason this song and songs like this are so powerful, uh, it's one of those songs that's played everywhere now. I mean, you can hear it uh, in the gas station, you hear it in the store, uh, you hear it's not just on Christian radio anymore. And the reason why it's so powerful, it was originally a Christian song, and it was written about God's love and concern for us and our identity in Him. Why do you think that plays to people? Why do you think people get so consumed with that? It's because they don't know what to do with discouragement. Amen. And the church has the answer. We've got the answer for them. We've got, amen, the solution to what they're going through. I'm just saying, let's not be a stumbling block. Let's be a stepping stone. Let's not be a wall. Let's be a door. I think we should make the choice now not to be a hinderer, but let's purpose to be a helper. What could happen? Come on, somebody. What could happen if this whole church became the most encouraging place to be in Hardin County? You couldn't keep people away. People would say, I love that place. I love those people. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Amen. And you say, well, pastor, you've got to be the encourager. I'm going to try to do my best to be an encourager, but this cannot stop with me. Because there are some days I'm going to have to preach the word straight. Super straight. And there's going to be some people that their toes get a little bruised by it. It's on those days. Your job is so important. Your job is so important because if you're sitting back there with your feelings hurt because you aren't prayed up, I just said it out loud. I'm, I know, don't get mad. I'm going to encourage you before we're done. But you're sitting back there. Your feelings are hurt because I just stepped on your toes. You can't come over and say, hey, it's so good to see you today. Man, I'm telling you what, God's doing amazing things. You know what? I had to preach straight about sin. They're feeling kind of bad for their sin, but they're feeling loved by you. There's something that happens when the body of Christ says, I want to encourage. I want to help. I want to uplift. Amen. That, that frees the preacher up to be able to preach sin is wrong. Amen. Hell is hot. Come on, somebody. You got to be able to say it. You got to be able to say it in love. The Bible says speaking the truth in love. We got to be able to say what we need to say, but the church has to do the encouraging. Amen. And I know, I know some people try. They try to be an encourager. But bless their hearts. They just don't have the gift. <laughs> you, you, some of you probably just thought about somebody. Just don't point them out. Don't look at them right now, okay? For example, whenever I visited the Christian school that I went to as a child after I became the pastor here, my former principal told me that he had recently told somebody else that if I could be a pastor, that anybody could be a pastor. He meant it as a positive statement, but good grief. I mean, come on. Wow. And some of you are like, well, you know, that's probably true. 
There was a doctor, he was trying to cheer up a man who had been in a car accident and he had undergone major surgery. And the, <laughs> the doctor, good doctor, was trying to cheer him up and trying to lift him up and quite honestly, he was really grasping for straws. He couldn't think of anything. So he was like, I, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is your legs were damaged beyond repair. and We had to take them in surgery. He said, but the good news is the guy across the hall is an 11 and a half medium too, and he said he would like to buy all your shoes. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Sometimes even the best and brightest don't know what to say. We've all been inspired, though, by somebody who overcame discouragement and went on to accomplish something worthwhile in their lives. The great Apostle Paul had to overcome discouragement just as much as anybody else in history. If you just listen to his story, I mean, this is what he says out of uh, the message in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 33. He says, I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beat up more times than I can count, and at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day in hard traveling year in and year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, and many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And then he goes, and that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. <laughs> when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the depression in my bones. When someone is duped to sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. He's talking about how he feels when people in the church get messed up. I hope some of you will just read this. Just every once in a while, just remind yourself, oh, that's what pastor's going through. He says, if I have to brag about myself, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. The eternal and blessed God and Father of our Master Jesus knows I'm not lying. Remember the time that I was in Damascus and the governor of uh, King Aretas posted guard at the city gates to arrest me? I called through a window in the wall. I was let down in a basket and I had to run for my life. <laughs> this man had to tread water all day and all night. After that, he drug his waterlogged self onto the shore of a small Mediterranean island. He was building a fire to warm the shivering people who had been in the sea with him. When all of a sudden, a poisonous snake sprung out of the fire and bit him. <laughs> if anybody had to deal with discouragement, Paul did. How did Paul overcome discouragement? How did he move on? As far as the snake was concerned, we all know what he did. He shook it off into the fire. Can I tell you that there are some things you just have to shake off? you got to learn how to just shake some things off. Amen. And Paul realized, he, he realized, if I want the people around me to be a source of encouragement to me, then I have to encourage them. If you are critical, if you are negative, if you are judgmental, of all the people around you, don't expect those people to be a source of energy, strength, and encouragement to you. If you're always tearing everybody down, I, 
I'm, it's pretty straight today, isn't it? Wow. I got it real quiet. Sometimes we become discouraged because of all the negativity that comes out of our own mouths. We start saying things about people around us. Here's what we can learn from Paul in his writings about overcoming discouragement. If you will encourage others, others will encourage you. If you do good to others, others will do good to you. So this is one thing that I have determined. Hang out with the people that lift you up. Paul was excited to see Titus because Titus was not a drain. He was a lifter. He was an encourager. He was somebody, it was a joy to see that. You know what? When people see you coming, do they walk the other way? Just think about it. Just think about it. If they do, there's a possibility you're not an encourager. You are a discourager. You have a lot of negative things to say. There's an old poem that says there are two kinds of people in, in life. Just two kinds, I say, not the good and the bad, for the good are half bad and the bad are half good. But there are two kinds of people in life, I say, the people who lift and the people who lean. When you see somebody coming towards you um, and you want to go the other way, why? Why? Why do you want to go the other way? Because you know they're going to suck every ounce of positive energy that you have for the day. And then there are others that you almost, you just want to run to them. When you see them, you're like, ah! Like those two teenage girls, you know? It's like they hadn't seen each other in a whole hour. Ah! That's how you feel when you see people who lift you up and encourage you. Now, you may restrain yourself and not act like a teenage girl, but inside you're like, yes! I can't wait to be with these people. Why? Because encouragement is contagious. There are some people that you're going to be around and they will recharge your batteries. And then there are other people that you're going to be around and you're going to find out very soon they drain your battery. You, you've got to figure out who you are hanging out with and, and what kind of person are you. Now, there are some people that you, uh, you can invest in. They drain your battery now, but if you can encourage them, if you can uplift them, if you can pray for them, uh, you might can turn them around to be an encourager. But there are some people, I'm just going to warn you right now, there are some people that that is just in their nature. They are negative to their core. They can't find anything. I mean, if some, I, I say this a lot, if somebody cured cancer and brought world peace, they wouldn't be happy with them. <laughs> These people, you've got to be very careful around because they will suck life right out of you. But encouragement? It's contagious. If you'll encourage people, if you'll lift people up. Paul addressed King Agrippa in Acts 26.2. He said, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before the touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. He's in a bad spot again, but this is what he said. I think myself happy. <laughs> I think myself happy. Well, I don't have anybody to make me happy. Well, then think yourself happy. David had to encourage himself in the Lord. David said, I have to rejoice in the Lord, oh my soul. Amen. I think myself happy when you are encouraged or you are discouraged. It has a lot to do with what goes on in here. It's not, it's not a heart issue. It's a head issue. 
What are you allowing to come in? What are you uh, consuming? you got to think yourself happy. I like what T.F. Tenney, the late T.F. Tenney said. He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Amen? If you're going through hell, keep going. The difference between failure and success is that people who succeed stay at it five more minutes. What, what do you got to lose? Amen? Frederick the Great said, more battles are lost by discouragement than by the loss of men. I love the story about Fred and Martha who were driving home from church, and Martha said, Fred, did you notice that the pastor's sermon was a little weak today? And Fred was like, no, not really. Martha said, well, did you hear the choir was flat? No, I didn't, he replied. Well, you certainly must have noticed the young couple and the children with the children right in front of us with all the noise and commotion that they made during the whole service. I'm sorry, dear, but, but no, I didn't. Finally, in disgust, Martha just, oh, honestly, Fred, I don't even know why you bother going to church. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of what we receive and, and how life goes for us depends on our attitude. Whether we are negative or we're positive. And I know there are some days you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you go to pour the milk in and it's turned bad and, and, and you, you're just having a rough day. The water wasn't acting right. You know, somebody turned the other spigot on while you were enjoying your hot shower and it got freezing cold and you, you're, just, you're just, you know, you have a tendency just to be a, a grumpy bear as you step out into the world. I understand that there are days like that, but can I tell you, you have got to decide what your attitude is going to be. You are the only one who decides whether or not you will have a good attitude or a bad attitude. You're the only one who decides whether you can be positive or negative. Other people and other things may try to influence that, amen, but you can have the right encouragement in your life. You can have the right people in your life, and when when you start to feel down, you got to know, what am I going to do with discouragement? Your attitude can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Do you know some people that if they would just change their attitude, they'd be such a pleasant person to be around? <laughs> Amen. Your attitude is more honest and more consistent than your words. Your attitude most often is the thing that draws people to you or repels people from you. Your attitude is never content until it's fully expressed. Your, your attitude is the librarian of your past, it's the speaker of your present, and it's the prophet of your future. Man, some of y'all, I don't know if you got that. that was, did you get that? Sometimes we all need to overcome discouragement, and what we need to do to overcome discouragement is just change our attitude. All is not lost. All is not bad. Everybody in the world is not against you. Everybody in the world doesn't hate you. <laughs> J. Sidlow Baxter wrote, what is the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? And, and, and he answers it, our attitude toward it. Every opportunity has a difficulty, and every difficulty has an opportunity. Life is kind of like grindstone. It either grinds you down or it polishes you up, depending on what you're made of. If you, if you take a kite 
or you take, uh, you know, you, you, have to have, you have to have some adversity for that kite to rise. There has to be some wind adversity. If you take a boat out, uh, now I'm not talking about one that's propelled by motors, but I'm talking about a sailboat. You, take, you, can, you can't get that boat to sail. That ship cannot sail without the adversity of the wind. You just have to know how to use it. You have to know uh, what to do with it. Daniel Defoe, he wrote Robinson Crusoe while he was in prison. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress while he was in the Bedford Jail. Sir Walter Raleigh wrote the history of the world during a 13-year imprisonment in the Tower of London. Martin Luther translated the Bible while he was confined in the castle of Wartburg. For 10 years, Dante, the author of the Divine Comedy, worked in exile under the sentence of death. Beethoven, he was almost completely deaf and burdened with sorrow when he composed his greatest works. What do you do with discouragement? When Israel was confronted by the giant Goliath, all the Hebrew soldiers must have thought, man, he is so big, we can never kill him. But David thought, he's so big, I can't miss. <laughs> he's so big, I can't miss. And there's got, there's got to be some things in your life that you say, you know what, this is a setup. You ever had something that's so bad, you just like, this is so, this is like the worst thing ever. This is a setup. And some of you, you you're not going to follow me, but, but I, I'm going to try. I'm going to close it out here. Some of you, God allows adversity to come into your life and really, really horrible things. He allows these things to happen. Well, why would God allow this if you really love Because He loves you. Because you can never reach your full potential in Him without the adversity. And so guess what? He sent me here today to remind you what to do with discouragement. David said, sing. But you don't understand, Pastor, I can't sing. I, I'm not talking about up here. I mean sing in your car. Sing as, as you're walking around the house. Sing in the shower. Do you know it's really hard to be depressed when you're singing? I'm talking about singing unto the Lord. And when you start singing unto the Lord, there's something that takes place inside. It's hard to stay mad. You can't stay mad and sing. You just can't. Now, you, you can sing those <laughs> songs and be mad, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just singing. Just use your voice and sing to the Lord. You could sing songs like uh, what we sing today, right? Yes, I will. Lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will. Bless your name. Yes, I will. Sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. When you start singing stuff like that, the, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. The presence of the God is going to meet you wherever you are. Amen. The discouragement is going to have to leave because you start lifting up the name of the Most High. Amen. Encouragement is going to come to you because of what you do today. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? David said, sing. Paul he, he talked about all the things that he did. And, you know, I don't ever, I don't really see Paul singing a whole lot, but I did see him sing one time when he was with Silas. Their backs were beat. They were in the, the stocks. 
and everything was bad, right? And I don't know what they were thinking, but I think they had figured out the secret. When you're discouraged, you just got to sing. <laughs> when things are really bad, you know, let's just sing. Can't get any worse, let's sing. Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. You can. You can sing. Here's the problem. Many of us, when we feel like that, you know what we do? We turn to the wrong songs. Well, Eminem is not going to help you feel better. Right? Look, I don't even know all the big names anymore, right? I'm just shooting in the dark. Beyonce's not going to fix it for you. Am I still okay? Am I all right? Whatever other groups are out there that play to your emotions, it's not going to fix it. In fact, that kind of stuff will make you worse. So what you need to do is you need to sing to the one who can do something about it. <laughs> but I can't sing. I have an uncle. I, I'm, you, you have met him. You know him. There is nobody that can't sing like my uncle. My uncle is disturbing when he sings. I have tried to stand next to him in church, and I literally had to plug my ear. He is the very definition of making a joyful noise. A noise. It is definitely noise. I mean, he's hitting keys all over. He's just not on key. I love him. He, he, he would tell you the same thing if he was here. But as much as I don't like to hear him sing, that's sometimes the best way to get rid of your discouragement. Yes, you prayed. Yes, you, you know, sometimes we pray and we start praying. And it, let's be honest, it turns into a, a, a what was me session. Oh, God, things are so bad. Why would you leave me like this? You, you know, I get it. You're not weird for feeling like that. David felt like that. But he also figured out how to encourage himself in the Lord. Paul felt like that. Paul had many times. We just read all the things he, he said, man, all this stuff is bad. This is, where, this, this is the problem. And then we remember what Paul's secret was. He learned how to encourage himself. And as you sing, and as you sing unto the Lord, and you sing praise unto Him, you say, well, I don't know any praise songs. That's where you need to start. Because... Those other songs will play with your emotions. They will play to your emotions. And they will cause you to go deeper in whatever feeling that is. You know, that's why some people when they, you know, feel lovey-dovey, you know, they want to hear some Barry White or whatever. Right? You know, my, this is no lie. No lie. God is my witness. I, my wife and I, we, we have some funny things that just kind of between us. And a lot of it has to do with music. And one of the people that was really coming up uh, when we were teenagers that we heard a lot was um, this, this little girl at the store. 
she has the same name as her. She's waited on us twice, like when we go through the line. She waits on us twice. She's like, you could take the survey and, and just remember my name is, and she writes it out, right? And she writes it out. Her name is Mariah. And as soon as we walk away every time, I can't help myself. I look at my wife, I'm like, ah, 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 and I just, I don't know what it is. But, but what I'm saying is music has power. Music can lift you up. It can bring you down. Music can make you mad. It, I mean, music has a lot that it can do. But the primary function of music should be worship to the Lord. That's what our worship should be. It should be about Him. It shouldn't be about us. It shouldn't be about, you know, we can do this and I'm going to, you know, I'm a, I'm a fighter and I'm going to beat people down and I'm stronger than that. And, you know, it, that's, not, that's not worship. Worship is... God, I love you. God, I, I, I adore you. I appreciate you. I, I lift you up. I, I give glory to your name. And, and all these things that we sing, uh, you, you've got, I mean, literally, there are more good worship songs now, you're going to laugh at me, than there have ever been. Yes, because there, forget it. You all missed my joke. It's kind of like if you take a picture of yourself, you're always looking at the past. But anyways, oh, unless you use the face app and then the Russians know what you're going to look like 40 years from now. I'm just saying, what do you do with discouragement? What do you do? How do you change your attitude? Can I, can I just say it one more time? Just sing, sing unto the Lord. Everybody sing. Don't, don't, don't wait for an invitation. You could be driving down the road. Sing. Turn you on some, you know, WJIE or Sirius XM 63. What is that thing? The message. Or maybe you got some good songs, some good worship songs on your phone. Put those on. It's hard. It's hard to stay mad and angry and irritated and discouraged if you are singing to the Lord. What do you do with discouragement? Can, can, I, can I finish this by saying, many of you, if you don't learn what to do with discouragement, pretty soon we won't see you anymore. Because there's some really good people who have come to this church in the last six months to a year. And they've come to this church. They love this church. They thought this church was awesome. And they started experiencing the power of God. And then something jumped on them. Something bad happened in their life. Somebody said, why are you going to that church? Why do you go with those crazy holy roller people? Or maybe life just got the best of them. And they prayed, and, and because they prayed and something didn't happen, the next day, all the trouble didn't disappear. They thought, well, what's the use of going to church? So they missed a Sunday, and then they probably got a text from somebody here, and they were like, hey, we miss you. Well, we're coming back. We'll be back. Okay. And so then maybe they would come back, maybe they wouldn't, and, and then all of a sudden, after a few months, you just don't see them anymore. 
You know what? You know what happens a lot of times? John, they run up to me and they're like, Pastor, Pastor, do you know what happened to so and so? Pastor, what happened to that couple? What happened to that family? And all too many times I want to say, the time for all of us to worry about it was a few months ago. We should have encouraged them then. You see, if I'm the only one and if the church staff is the only ones who are encouraging people and teaching people how to encourage themselves, we're in trouble. Because there's only so many people we can get to every Sunday, right? But if the church says, you know what, we're going to be an encouraging place. When people come in and their head is hung low, before, we, before they leave this place, we're going to make sure that their head is high, they're smiling, and they feel great about themselves and what God is going to do in their life. Amen? And the only way, the only way that that is going to be possible is if we all learn how to encourage ourselves. Because if we have to spend the whole service, every service, getting you back to that encouraged place, that's not going to work. So today, as we close, so many things aren't going well in your life. So many things are frustrating for you, and you don't understand, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. You You don't know what I'm going through. Can I just stop you right there and say, quit the pity party? Because there are people all over this building today that are going through things just as bad and maybe even worse. There are people who have family members who are are not doing well physically. There are people in this place who have broken hearts from relationships that have been torn apart. There are people who are going through financial difficulties. There, There are all kinds of people in this place. So the first thing you got to do is stop having the pity party but I have the right to have the pity party. You do, and guess who's going to show up? The devil. It'd be you and the devil. Why? Because the devil wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to feel bad. You know what you need to do? You need to have a little encouragement party. And Jesus will show up. You start singing, it's a party. Jesus will show up. And you'll start feeling better. And things will start looking brighter. Well, I don't even know what y'all are going to sing. I have no idea. But they're going to sing something. Why don't you try this today? Why don't you step out of your seat? And if you've been feeling bad, if there's something going on, maybe you, you, you are doing some things you know are not pleasing to God, why don't you start by making that right? Turn your life over to God. Surrender to Him completely. Ask God to forgive you. That's the very first thing because you'll, still, you'll stay discouraged if you have sin in your life. But if you will let go of that, and then today you will just say, God, I want to praise you. God, I want to give you glory. I want to sing to you. I want to give you all of me. You know what's going to happen? The sweet presence of God is going to sweep into your life, into your situation. Amen. And something is going to take place. Before you leave here today, you're going to be like, why was I so discouraged? Man, God is still on the throne. God is still good. God is still doing amazing things. Amen? Amen. I open up this altar. I would just ask each and every one of us, if you would, just before we come, just bow your head and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, 
In this place, there are those who need to be uplifted. There are those who need to be encouraged. God, they've been going through some hard things in their life. And God, we acknowledge that. But today, we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're not going to feel sorry, God, about what's happened. But we are going to move forward with you. We're going to ask you, God, to forgive us. Lord, we're going to put the things in the past in the past. And God, if there's a situation that's too big for us, we're going to acknowledge it as a setup for your glory and your power to be shown in our lives. And God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise for what you're going to do this day. In Jesus' name. This altar's open. Amen. I encourage you. Don't wait. Sing today.